the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, great to see my friend on a Monday morning. A lot of Anakin Florian podcast listeners, by the way, in the Phoenix area, Ken Flo. One of them came up to me and said, so how did you and Kenny, like, become best friends? Is it just because, like, you're from the same area? And I'm thinking, man, I hope he considers me his best friend. But there got to be people that, uh, that he likes better than me out there. That's awesome, man. Yeah, of course you're one of my best friends. Um, I have certainly cool, passed man. Her- It was a good night. I've certainly passed Kurt Pellegrino at this point with yeah. respect to Kurt. Like at this point, yeah. if there was a replacement groomsman last minute, like Pellegrino is not getting that <laughs> fucking nod. Uh, but that's a story for another day. And our longtime listeners, all of you out there in Phoenix, know exactly what we're talking about. It's Monday, June 14th, episode 304 of the Anik and Florian podcast. A lot to get to today. So Terrence McKinney wanted to go on the Joe Rogan experience. A lot of people wanted him on our show after the seven-second knockout. I have reached out to Terrence, so hopefully in the next couple weeks you will hear the Terrence McKinney story, and it is incredible. But a lot to get to today. We will recap UFC 263. We'll get Ken Flo's thoughts on Clarissa Shields' win in her mixed martial arts debut. Uh, Some Ken Flo tweets, time permitting. Ken Flo also solicited your tweets, uh, some of which are quite good, so we'll get to some of those. Uh, And then, of course, a few predictions on the way out for UFC fight night the Korean zombie versus Ige. Uh, But we begin with headlines and our recap of UFC 263. And there are any number of different ways in which we could begin today. We could certainly begin with the main event or with Nathan Diaz. But of course, we are going to begin with Tijuana's Brandon Moreno, the first Mexican-born flyweight champion in UFC history. It did not take them long to put a mural on the wall. And what an incredible rise to glory, to superstardom. Uh, This man is going to be a millionaire. He is 27. He has three daughters living in Las Vegas, and uh, he effectively changed his life forever with not just this win, but with the six-month commitment to become the best version of himself that ultimately led to this W over the weekend. I love what you said, and I love that you're starting with Brandon Moreno because, in my opinion, on a night of a ton of superstars, for me, he emerged as the biggest star of the night. Okay, Um, you know, when I think of Brandon Moreno, I think of the guy who was on the ultimate fighter. I think of the guy that, you know, he's he's a nice guy and and he fights, but I don't know if he's going to make it in the UFC. Right. And and then he was actually cut by the UFC comes back and you still kind of consider him the nice guy. Great guy. He's out there. He's he's fighting his heart out. But I don't know if many people really saw him, you know, even when he came back to the UFC as the guy who was going to be a champion in the UFC, his last fight against Figueredo, you, you see it and you see it, that it's very apparent and very possible. And then he comes in and delivers maybe twice as good of a performance that he did last time. He yeah. won every single round. Uh, he, he is a study in beautiful fundamentals. He does all the little things properly and he was consistent, he was persistent, he was aggressive, uh, and he put on a show because of it, man. What a stud. I- I'm so happy for that guy. And now he's 
that great kid who happens to be a great fighter and is now a world champion in the UFC. It's an amazing story. There were a lot of people who doubted Brandon Moreno, <clears throat> not just this night, but over the course of his career. But even going into this fight, you know, UFC President Dana White said at the yeah. post-fight press conference, uh, I just didn't see how Brandon would win. And Shale Sonnen said, you know, I thought he was uh, a decent fighter who had a good fight in December, but he didn't think he was a great fighter. Right. Oftentimes, we are able to glean a lot from these fighter meetings. And not since our fighter meeting with Jan Blachowicz on Fight Island last September in a championship setting did I come out of a fighter meeting almost knowing that a guy was going to win a fight. And then when Davis and Figueredo pushed Brandon Moreno at the press conference on Thursday and I saw Brandon's reaction, it was like game over. I have a lot of insight on Brandon just having spent fight week there and spent some time with him and his manager, Jason House. And by the way, congratulations to Jason for for breaking through and getting a UFC champion. He has one of the biggest uh, rosters of UFC clients, and now he can lay claim to having a UFC champion. But Brandon Moreno is the nicest guy on the roster, right? The type of guy that you would think would enjoy his Christmas with his three daughters. But after that fight last December 12th, he just... He was too hyper-focused on this challenge because he knew he was this close to Davison Figueredo and he knew he only had three weeks to prepare for that challenge and hadn't presented the best version of himself. He literally used every minute, Kenny, of those 24 weeks to put himself in position to maximize this opportunity. He added muscle mass. And when I think big picture about where he was, I don't know if you remember the post-fight interview I did with him in his UFC debut and he said, Dana White, 50 Gs, right? Interpreter in there, couldn't speak English fluently. Now he's fluent in English. He's one of our UFC Spanish analysts. He made this decision to move to Las Vegas, bought his house sight unseen. He said to Jason House, yeah, if it's good, just buy it, whatever, make an offer, right? And he still has to defend this belt this belt once right. or twice, I would think, to, to realize the millions. But the, 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 the potential in Mexico for Brandon Moreno after this accomplishment, Ken Flo, really is endless, and it truly couldn't happen to a better man. No, no question about it. Um, I think that Mexico has been looking for their star in mixed martial arts to, to finally push through. They've had them, but none that have become a champion in the UFC, um, you know, Mexican born anyway. And right. for him to, to get it uh, and finally achieve that, I think there's going to be so much energy behind him. Um, the, the Mexican uh, fans, of course, are such rabid fight fans. And to have a guy who really... Um, is the epitome of, of that kind of fighting spirit, which the Mexicans are so well known for. Yeah. It, it, it's awesome. And, and he's a great kid. You would never think that this kid is the guy who's going to be in your face and bring the fight to you. And he's going to be technical everywhere and consistent. Um, I, I love it. And I think I truly believe he's going to be a big star because of it. The jab, the speed, the submission game, a lot of potential, still developing at 27 years of age. Cody, yeah. perhaps you can put the flyweight top five in the private chat as we continue here on Brandon Moreno as we spin this thing forward. And firstly, I do want to say about Davis and Figueredo, it seems as though the public is a little bit split as to how genuine he was being after the fight. I need to tell you that he was being genuine, right? Like, Davison Figueredo displayed a lot of class after the fight. I believe, Kenny, that Davison was genuinely happy for Brandon Moreno because he knows how good a man and father Brandon Moreno is. So, yes, I don't love when the losing fighter, like, lifts up the winning fighter most of the time, but Davison was trying to be genuine in that moment in congratulating his opponent. On the Figueredo side, he 
did use his post-fight interview with Joe Rogan to try to preserve a trilogy here and set up a third meeting with Brandon Moreno. And I think given the promotion's respect for Figueredo and given the body of work, I can understand why they would maybe move to make that trilogy. The big concern for me is that there have been health issues with Figueredo. You don't know if these illnesses are inexorably linked to his weight cut per se, yeah. But I kind of feel like Figueredo should move up to Bantamweight, and instead he's trying to preserve this trilogy. So without an obvious name, you have Asker Askarov, Alessandre Pantoja, who, by the way, is the only man to finish Brandon Moreno, but that was on yeah. the Ultimate Fighter in an, in an exhibition. Uh, where do you think they go from here? Do you want to see a trilogy? Do you want to see Figueredo still at 25? You know, I just think there are a lot of unknowns, but if he's committed to flyweight, I think they could move to do the trilogy. I definitely think they could as well. Uh, you know, something was off with Figueredo. Uh, to me, as soon as the fight started, yeah. he, he seemed like he was distracted. His game plan was all over the place. It wasn't clear that he knew what he wanted to do against Moreno, whereas Moreno uh, had a very clear game plan uh, and executed it beautifully. So I don't know if Figueredo was distracted by other things going on in his life. I don't know if maybe physically he wasn't there. I don't know if maybe he was satisfied with just being a champ and that was it. I I don't know. Um, I love seeing new people get an opportunity. That That's yeah. me. Yeah. However, I would love to see the trilogy play out at some point. Perhaps Figueredo gets one fight uh, in between. Um, but, I, you know, just knowing the UFC and if, if I am running the business myself, I probably would try to get a trilogy uh, fight yeah. uh, in place since, you know, the, the the fight had just happened. You know, you want to get it as quickly as possible because, again, with Davison, you never know what's going to happen. Um, but uh, it's probably going to take a meeting and, and, and a little talk to see where Davison's head is at. Yeah, I did not ingest all of Dana White's post-fight press conference. Perhaps he uh, he did address that situation, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, there are options. I don't know if Askar Askarov right now moves the needle enough to get that championship opportunity, right. but certainly great fighter, worthy. though, tough guy. And the thing that uh, Cody Merrow, our producer, texted me immediately was, uh, you know, how about Moreno v. Cejudo in Tijuana? And I think that has legs as well were Henry Cejudo to make a comeback. I know those guys have a positive history having trained together before, but yeah. uh, that would qualify as a big fight. And big picture, just in terms of uh, this Mexican breakthrough. Had a lot of guys with Mexican roots do really well in the UFC. Certainly the Mexican-American, Cain Velazquez, realizing UFC champion, Kelvin Gastelum. You notice where I'm going with these pronunciations. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Tony Ferguson, you know, Alexa Grasso and Irene Aldana have done big things, but Brandon Moreno is the guy who breaks through, and uh, hopefully they are parading that man through the streets of Tijuana when he gets home. But congratulations to the assassin baby, Brandon Moreno. All right, so Israel Adesanya over Marvin Vittori, third successful middleweight title defense for Izzy, 50 to 45 across the board. And uh, yeah, I mean, Izzy, I thought he won their first meeting rather easily 2-1. He has improved exponentially since then. Yes. You know, I thought he was going to be more dominant with respect to everything that Marvin Vittori brings to the table. And this was uh, about as easy a fight to score for me as ever, 50 to 45. What did you think about Izzy's dominant title defense over the weekend? Yeah, you know, I, I thought uh, much of the same. I, I think that Israel certainly had the ability to go out there and finish Vittori. A couple things. First of all, I think he 
was a little bit more conservative in coming too far forward uh, with that same aggression that we may have seen in, in previous fights because of the threat of the takedown from Vittori. I think Vittori was wanting to hit a lot of those reactive takedowns. Those are the most effective ones, in my opinion. Um, so I, I think he was a little bit cautious because of that. And Vittori is just tough as hell. Okay, this this guy was taking a yeah. lot of damage to the leg, um, and maybe his movement was showing a little bit, but you never saw him grimace on his face, you know, too much. He was uh, he was eating a lot of those shots to the leg, uh, and showing how tough he was, um, and he was eating some shots upstairs as well. But um, yeah, I thought Israel uh, won a, a very easy decision. He was dominant on the feet, of course. Um, you know, if they did go to the ground, Vittori really wasn't able to capitalize, and I think that. That's why I was kind of so confident about picking Israel Adesanya. Vittori right. isn't great at finishing fights. He's not great at getting those submissions that he needs and taking his opponent out. And he doesn't quite have, in my opinion, the, the kind of grounded pound that is going to knock somebody out repeatedly. So um, Israel was able to find himself in some difficult spots, was able to get out, was able to yeah. revert, was able to get on top. Um, so I think this was a good fight for Izzy too. I thought Izzy made some mistakes out there and, and I think he's going to learn from this win as well. So overall, uh, a lot of positives for the champ, uh, Israel Adesanya. One spot for Izzy compromising or otherwise, but Marvin did take his back very briefly. I don't know if it was a lack of positional awareness, but, uh, you know, when you get Adesanya's back like that, they, that might be your only opportunity to win the fight. You got anything for me on on what went so wrong for, for Vittori there as Adesanya was easily able to sort of reverse him? Yeah, you know, his connection was off. You know, you, you want to be able to have your hips connected to their hips, but also the importance of your shoulders aligned with their shoulders as well and making sure your head is is a little bit above your opponents. And he was allowing Izzy to kind of uh, basically turn and kind of create a T with his body mm -hmm. and the body of his opponent, which you never want to do anytime, you know, you're not able to align yourself and you start to kind of turn. And this starts to happen with your opponent. You're not, you're not having that, that solid connection, shoulder to shoulder, hip to hip. And Israel is able to turn because of it. And um, I think there was a little bit of confusion on the part of Vittori. Um, and, you know, for Adesanya, I also thought that there were some things that were a little bit concerning in what he was doing, um, and, and I don't know on the feet and, and I don't know if it was because he was trying to lure Vittori in, but I, I thought that he was staying a little bit too far in front of Vittori as well and kind of leaning back to avoid a lot of the shots. And he right. was a little upright because of it. Um, and I don't know if he wants to take that approach against someone like a Robert Whitaker and, and, and Israel is kind of like a chameleon. He will change his game plans and his tactics. Um, like a lot of the greats do, uh, depending on the opponent. Maybe he just felt like Vittori wasn't much of a threat, but I was a little concerned that Vittori yeah. was going to land uh, something heavy there on Israel Adesanya. That never really happened. Um, but uh, other than that, I thought it was a, a pretty clean performance from Adesanya. And Rafael Cordero in the corner of Marvin Vittori was just livid from really the opening minute. But after the first round, I don't know who else it was in the Vittori corner, but kind of lollygagging with the ice bucket. And, and Cordero, I'm looking at behind the scenes, he's like, we got 60 seconds, man. Like, hurry the fuck up, you know? And then <laughs> I, I do guy. believe that Marvin was a little bit delusional as to what was going on. And I know some people have criticized me for using that adjective. And again, Marvin is a friend of mine. And certainly if he's upset with that, uh, he will bring it to my attention, I'm sure. But 
not unlike the first fight, Kenny, I just don't know if Marvin Vittori sort of understood what was actually happening here. And then when they're about to announce the decision, with all due respect to my paisan, it's like he's still pumping his fist, hoping they're going to call his name. It's like, yeah. bro, um, you didn't win that fight, but um, we don't want to keep Ray Longo on hold. So let us uh, let us get to the to the, uh, the Ray Longo. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Speaking of paisans. Oh, man. Hey. Wow. Somebody has figured out his lighting. Can you center yourself up, though, if you don't mind? Because yeah, you look This so is good. the best Ray has ever looked. All right. So are those eyes yours? Are those eyes yours or are those colored contact lenses? You look outstanding today. <laughs> those, those are absolutely colored. What the fuck is that colored contact lenses? You, you never heard of colored contact lenses? No, no, these are my eyes. What? Really? Well, what the hell is a colored contact? I, I was just making a joke. Jesus fucking Christ. Jesus Christ. Well, no, no. We got to start off this show right. Are we on, are we on, yeah, we're live. We, There's oh, no going back now. There's no going back. No. I got I got one word. Where's my fucking money? That's what I want to know. Where the hell's the goddamn check I'm waiting for? For all your t-shirts. That's a beautiful picture. I want to shout out to Michelle. She's a personal trainer in Houston. She goes by the uh, name Inked Bikini. But uh, she wow. sent me a nice picture with my shirt, my face on the shirt. Yeah, I don't know what the hey, hell's Mark, going on. Here's the deal. Yeah, Inked Bikini. Shout out to Michelle. Mm-hmm. So if you she don't know, beautiful. she looked beautiful in my, with my face on her shirt. That, <laughs> I don't know. I'm still wearing the same old shitty sneakers, man. I don't know what the hell to tell you. I don't know. I'm as long as they're off the clown shoes, they made you wear that night. <laughs> hey, hey, wait, hold on. What, what were you confused about with, uh, Vittor- with Vittori? I, I'm confused that you were confused. I Obviously, was, I was the guy's delusional. Why... That's the problem. Right, right. Well, <laughs> hang on, so hang on. I, we'll get to that. I, I got to stay on the T-shirt thing for a second because oh, I think okay, the context it. of what you just said could be lost on people as if we owe you a bunch of money. Um, yeah. We launched Ray Longo T-shirts at AnnaFlorianPodcast.com where we have a store and the T-shirt says, I'm going to punch a hole in his fucking chest, right? And yes, they sold like hotcakes and they continue to sell and they're probably going to sell out. Whatever percentage you want of sales, just tell Ken Flo and Cody, we'll send it to you. Rest yeah. assured. Like up to, I don't know, up to 50%. Yeah. What of are you? Like, of course. Of course, at people least, were going to send you the 1. money. At least 1.5%. I'm feeling generous. Yes. When Joe Monterot shows up at his door, it ain't going to be a joke anymore. It just won't be funny. See, that guy's <laughs> laughing now. When that, doorbell, when that doorbell rings and it isn't Ian Parker, you're not going to be happy. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the, the ladder? May not may not be showing up at my door. In a way, in a way, Florida's looking. That's not going to be hard to get somebody to go to your house. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so, uh, what do we got? So, yeah, but I mean, like the uh, the Vittori thing. Yeah, just, uh, I just thought delusional. you were delusional about the first fight, which I thought was exceedingly easy to score two one for Izzy. And I, I don't know how you fix that, but I think for Cordero, Ray, I think it was a little bit difficult because his pupil uh, not only was not able to execute what he wanted him to, but he felt like he was getting a lot of things accomplished in these rounds when it didn't seem to me like he was. Yeah, I mean, it was a frustrating night for Rafael. He couldn't have, I don't think he could have said it any differently. You know what I mean? Like he he was imploring him to, you know, 
to realize that he was losing the fight and what he had to do. But, uh, you know, that, that, that's what it is. It really does come down to the fighter, Kenny. And he's really the, the, the ultimate guy to make the decision. And he just wasn't seeing it the way everybody else was seeing. It. And it was, it was actually frustrating. Then it was more frustrating. Like you said, when, you know, uh, when they're announcing the decision, you're like, man, is, can it, is it possible that he just thinks he won that fight? Like that's, I think it's scary more than anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that's, that's a hard problem to fix. Absolutely. And I, I know I'm sure Ray has seen this, you know, listen, there's levels of awareness. You know, there's the guy who thinks, you know, they're training their ass off for a fight and you're like, you're not training hard. You, huh. You're training, you know, you're training four times a week. And you guys, oh man, I'm killing the training. Oh, oh this yeah. is the best training camp of my life. Or I'm right on weight. And you're like, you're 30 pounds off. You know, like people, you know, I don't know if it's like the, the narratives that they have in their head or, you know, they think that they're winning a certain fight. Like, yeah, I was really confused by that as well. Um, that could be a part of the problem in, in how he prepares for fights and how he executes during a fight. He's seeing something that just simply isn't happening. So, you know, that's that's something that that needs to be rectified by Marvin Vittori and Marvin Vittori alone. You know, so that's something that he's just got to look at himself in the mirror and just be honest and, and go back, watch the tape, whatever it takes. And maybe go through it with his coach and be like, this is where you fucked up. This is where you fucked up. This right. is where you fucked up. This is why you lost this round. This is why you lost this round. Right. And kind of get him to, to understand those things. Yeah, no, which is not going to be easy because, you know, right. he could take the other route where he just, he go, you know, like he he's mad at everybody in his camp for thinking right. he lost. I mean, right. I could see exactly. that. Right. And then you get, you know, you know, John, what's going to happen is guys on the outside now. You know, the, the, those guys that are just waiting for adversity so they could jump in as the savior. You know, Marvin, I, I think you were right. You know, you're going to get guys now on the other side that are going to tell them, you know, I agree with you. Those guys are not, they're not for you, man. They're, they're against you. You know, they thought you were losing that fight. I was with you. It could open up a whole nother can of worms that as a coach, you just, it's frustrating and you don't want to deal with it. But that could be another scenario, Kenny, where he gets people on the outside Now's their chance to slip in there. They can get their 15 minutes of fame and they're going to, they're going to, they're going to fucking pounce on it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and that could be a problem too. So I hope like, again, Marvin is honest. He goes back and looks at it and he goes, man, I don't, I don't know what the hell I was doing. I, I actually thought in my head it was better. Something he's got to, he's got to reconcile that whole, that whole fight though in his head. You know, I, you know, even, you know, like one one part after the Yon fight with Aljo, I go just you know where he was like getting taken. I go just tell me what the fuck I'm looking at. He goes right, right. man, I don't I, I don't I don't know <laughs> you know like right, right. yeah you know, he was like he was like fuck what the fuck was I doing you know what you know towards the later part of that fight right you know so you know you need an honest dialogue well, right you saw Hakeem Dawadu this weekend getting dominated by Mobsar Eivloyev because Dowdu, he's like, dude, I got all the fucking cardio in the world. Like, what? tell me what to fucking do yeah, to yeah, try yeah. to turn this fight around, leaning on the coaches, yeah. So, uh, right. all right, well, I think Vittori sort of, just by nature of the toughness that Ken, Kenny mentioned off the top, I mean, he's he's going to be around, And uh, but you're right, he just has a hard time putting people away and uh, certainly was on the wrong side of this. I'm going to try to be economical because we have to get to Nathan Diaz, but Ken Flo, very oh. quickly, and then, Ray, if you got anything on this, in terms of a rematch between Adesanya and Whitaker, because that will be the next fight. Yeah. Whitaker's a totally different guy than 
that first meeting. You know, he truly is. Um, and Adesanya, it can be said, is as well. But how competitive is that fight in your mind, Ken Flo? And do you have a lean for us, um, you know, several months out? You know, um, I think that's going to be an awesome fight. I do agree with you that Whitaker is a different dude. I do not think he's going to take that same approach. I think it is um, very detrimental to Whitaker if he goes out and tries to take Izzy's head off again. I think Izzy shines. The more aggressive you are, and this is kind of the case with a lot of the great counter strikers, the more aggressive you are, the more you know, you try to force a knockout against someone like Israel Adesanya, he's just too sharp. He's going to make you pay. I think he needs to let that knockout, if he wants it, happen more organically. He needs to come in behind that jab, um, use that karate style and that bounce and try to get in and out. Uh, and then if he ha if he has the opportunity to, to go out and get it, but don't force it. He, he looked like he was forcing it against Adesanya, and, and that's something you just can't do. Um, but I, that's absolutely the fight that has to happen. Uh, Whitaker has a hell of a chance. I, I obviously I'm going to lean towards Adesanya, um, you know, due to his height and his, and his striking experience. But uh, Wicker is definitely tough, and I think it's going to go a lot longer than the first time out. Yeah, I I totally agree with Kenny. I say that you know Whitaker will change some stuff up, but that actually is the fight to make. But it, it's only because Izzy's just levels. He's he's levels above most of the guys in that division. They're not going to be able to give him a challenge. Whitaker is the only guy I see that could change up a couple of things and make it a, a competitive fight. And I think he will do that. Like, again, he knows he got caught rushing in and against a guy like Adesanya who has the reach on you. That's a major, major problem. But I think um, I do think that um, uh, Whitaker can make some adjustments and really make it an interesting fight. So I think that is the only fight to make, believe it or not. All right, looks like the early line, Adesanya minus 240, Robert Whitaker plus 205. We'll see if that tightens up. I can assure you uh, you're not going to get Whitaker north of plus 200 by the yeah. time those guys fight. Yeah. All right, Leon Edwards, the unbeaten streak continues 49-46 times three over Nate Diaz. There is obviously a lot to unpack when it comes to this fight. Um, Ray, we will start with you. What did you make of what was the first five-round non-title, non-main event in UFC history? Well, I'll tell you, first off, I mean, look, hats off to Leon Edwards. I mean, what a! I thought he had a great performance. Man, really crisp hands, man. He's fast. He's accurate. Uh, but, man, this is why people love Nate Diaz, man. This is unbelievable. He was on the verge of winning that fight, man. And I got to say something. Listen, you know, the, the last thing people are going to remember is the last minute of that fight with Leon Edwards on ice skates going around. I mean, if you're a Nate Diaz fan, you four rounds didn't even exist. That's what you're going to remember is exactly what you saw at the end. And uh, look, man, I think Nate and Nick, I've always been, I mean, I really do like those guys. Uh, their authenticity is, is unparalleled in the UFC. And I'll tell you, they were authentic 15 years ago or so when I met them. And they're just as authentic today. These guys have not changed money hype fame they're still down to earth good guys and that that's what i love about the guy and even you know even the way he said it man you know in the real world that guy's you know that guy's sleepwalking you know sleepwalking right, right. you know what i mean like and kenny you know that jujitsu you know those guys go by a martial art code they i don't even think they care about fighting fighting is a byproduct of martial arts and yes. you know jujitsu was really designed to survive first and win for a little guy 
to be able to be on his back and not get mauled by a bigger guy. And that's why I think even at the beginning, Nick would always not even think he lost a fight because that's what he was doing. So you give those guys an hour fight, they're a major problem. Like, how do you get rid of them? You know what I mean? So I like, I love, I love the way he put that into street fighting terms. Uh, again, he put on a great show for the people, or for, you know, his fans. I mean, come on, man. He was the most popular guy on that card. I mean, I think that was pretty obvious. Right. And, uh, Again, I think the last minute of that fight is what people are going to remember. And uh, unfortunately for Leon Edwards, who really was doing great, he was having a, I mean, I thought he was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you know, they're going to remember that probably if that's what they want to remember. But uh, just a great, uh, I, I can't say enough I, uh, enough good things about the guy. I think the, uh, he's just, it's just authentic. I think that's it, man. And I, they're not bullshitting. I don't think there's no show. They're not doing nothing right. for the cameras. It's uh, I to me, it's refreshing. I mean, when you know a lot of people in the business, and you know, like you know, Kenny was saying, even with fighters, I'm having a great camp. Who the hell is delusional? Who's doing this? Who's who's wants to jump in from the outside? Like I said with Vittori, I'm sure he's going to have guys right. now trying to separate him from Rafael Cordero, and we'll see what what kind of character Marvin has on that, but. These guys are pretty true blue, man. It's uh... And that right there was the longest answer in the history of the Anakin Florian <laughs> podcast. I mean, we're trying to be fucking economical, Kemflow. I'm just kidding, right? I love you. I'm just kidding. If I said... Are you attack? You're attacking me now. A little bit. A little bit. Everybody feels attacked on this show. I like, was joking Ian, about If I said that to Ian Parker... I was, be, joking, I was joking about these shirts. Slow down. Oh, you no, no, no. <laughs> so, um, hey, Kemflow... Now that Ray is done, do you have anything for us? I'll, I'll try to be Ideas. economical. There's a lot I'm to just unpack. Kidding. There's a there's a lot to unpack here. Listen, the reality is is that Leon Edwards did win 24 minutes of that fight. Um, Nate Diaz, but you know that's not how a fight goes. You you could have that one shot and it can change the whole fight. You knock him out, it's out of there. The problem is he didn't knock him out, um, and you know. Life is a paradox, right? Nate hasn't changed the way he is, but he also hasn't changed his fighting style. And I think that's what's also come back to bite him. Like, and this is such a stupid thing to say in some ways, but if we took away Nate Diaz's perseverance, we took away his chin, what would happen to him as a fighter? You know what I mean? Where it's like skill wise, if you're not improving and you are getting outskilled repeatedly, and this, ha this has happened over the last few fights, um, you know, yes, it, 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 it's probably a, a superpower, his chin, like his perseverance, his ability to just be tougher than you. Um, but skill wise, you know, I haven't seen a Nate Diaz that is, that is, um, you know, getting better. And, and that, that's a concern because as much as, as exciting as that is, right. there's going to be repercussions for that style. Let, let's not get it twisted. So, Ray, Kenny tweeted, you know, oh, if that NFL game went another 15 minutes. And he tweeted this sarcastically, right? Yeah, I, because yeah. we're, because it's, there's, the there, isn't any more, there isn't any more yeah. time. And so yeah. then one fan writes back to him, um, they have overtime, motherfucker, you know, whatever. And Ken Flo's like, fuck. it wasn't tied. You know, it wasn't tied. Like, Leon was up four to one. Um, but again, so but again, as much as Nate hasn't changed, he has built an army of people that love him. And that's what you got to respect. And, sure. you know, he might hit, if you think his skills haven't increased, he still hit that guy with a good shot, man. I mean, he did, 
he was able to land on a guy who's very, very highly skilled. And like, again, it's, I think again, that's what makes Nate, Nate Diaz. You know what I mean? It's the, uh, I, I kind of agree with you, but you know, I no, think it's, it, to his credit, Ray, you know, like, I don't like, think he cares he's though. Fighting elite guys. He, he's yeah. not fighting. Yeah. He's not fighting a middle of the pack. He's fighting Jorge Masvidal. He's fighting Leon Edwards. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I just hope that, you know, he, he's not going to pay for that damage, you know, because he is, he's, he's taking a lot of damage during these fights. And, and that's, that's the concern for me, I think. So when I started covering mixed martial arts for ESPN in 2007, as Ken Flo knows, Nick Diaz was my favorite fighter. If you read my old ESPN MMA live chats, it's all about the Diaz brothers, right? And the reason you do a, a tattoo bet on a podcast, right? You wouldn't do that unless you like wanted the tattoo. And I tweeted this weekend, like you wish you had a 209 tattoo. And I texted this to Ken Flo, but like, you know how proud I am waking up with this 209 tattoo on a day like today? You know what I mean? Because I just relate to these brothers to such an extent. And it's not just the marijuana. You know, it's everything that they are about. It's that authenticity, the realest of the real. I mean, that is Nate Diaz, uh, who did say, Ray, at the post-fight press conference that he would like to turn this thing around in three or four months and that his brother Nick Diaz is ready to go. He's just sort of waiting on something big. That'd be very exciting for the sport if these guys, you know, would continue to compete, especially if Nate really is true to his word and can heal up and, and have another fight in three or four months, you know, the way he did when he went Pettis Masvidal in 2009. Right, right. No, he'll uh, listen, perseverance, like Kenny said, but he had to persevere his whole career. Remember at the beginning when he wasn't getting paid and he was watching all his teammates make more money from him? That's the, he deserves every dollar that, that he gets. That, that, yeah, exactly. That octagon, yeah. again, represents life, right? And this guy's going to persevere always. I really believe yeah. that. He'll be fine. I think he's he's already proven that. And, again, you know, if we look at even Vittori, he's going to have to reconcile. Like, he has more reconciliation to do than Nate Diaz has to do. Nate Diaz yeah. is who he is, man. And it's I think it's a it comes with a take it or leave it. This is who I am, you know, just like, you know, people like you, uh, you can be friends with me. You cannot be friends with me. I don't really care, but this is who I am. I, they're always going to give you an honest answer on everything. I don't think, you know, like, again, yeah. I've never had a bad conversation with either of them. Uh, it's always right. like right. real. And that, to me, again, that's refreshing. And again, he, he's able to fight at the elite levels uh, at the style he does and everybody respects it. You know what I mean? Like, they're not going, you're not, you know, you still, you still got to go in there and do it against him. And it's not going to be easy because he's not going away. And if he gets you in trouble, just like, you know, like, again, all those other analogies are stupid. That's why I like the thing with the street. Like he's, he's happy with that. Yeah. And, that's, yeah. and that's fine, man. Cause I think it's funny. And other than a title shot, Nathan Diaz can get any fight he wants in the sport. And 100%. anybody is going to sign on mind to fight him. So we'll see what is next. And uh, maybe he'll see what happens with Dustin and Connor on July 10th. And, uh, Certainly, Nathan always has that McGregor trilogy in his back pocket. All right, in the nature of time, a few other things to get to with the great Ray Longo. And people are going to be all over me for uh, criticizing the star of the show in any way. So <laughs> I, just know it. I mean, the Longo they Army, the Army not. of Minutemen. We're going to do Minutemen t-shirts next. See, that's what I want. Uh, yeah. More than the, the, the punch hole in his fucking <laughs> chest, just a picture of you with, like, the Minutemen yeah. trailing you. All right, so Matt Frivola. <laughs> Matt oh, Frivola on the wrong end of one of the fastest uh, knockouts in UFC history. And, and you know, Ken Flo did tweet, you know, hands up doesn't mean good defense. And right. uh, he did that with all due respect. But, um, you know, Terrence McKinney is obviously the story here. But for your purposes, uh, 
that had to be a tough one to watch over the weekend. Your thoughts? Wow, what a horror show. What a just yeah. a yeah. horror show. Again, you know, even when his opponent pulled out, I mean, last time he pulled out, and I know his father calls me, and what do you think of this guy? And, it, you know, I I actually, you know, that other fight obviously was a, that matchup was brutal because that guy could, that guy's wrestling is on point. And, you know, like even his fight with uh, Islam, um, how do you pronounce his last name? Mahashev. Yeah. Uh, you know, was phenomenal. I thought it was one of the best, yes, you know, back and forth scrambling demonstrations you could see in the fight. So when this guy got removed, all his ups and downs and not having the same opponent, so hard. I mean, we, we definitely trained for Camacho. This guy came out, he's a South boy, you know, it's, you got to make some adjustments on the fly. And look, that's what being a professional is, but I just, you know, he's going to grow from it. Uh, I did have a brief, you know, interaction with him. Uh, after the fight and he'll he'll be he'll be fine but he's gonna have to be, he's gonna make a couple of adjustments too and i'll be talking to him about that uh yeah. you know with this whole pandemic thing man guys are in florida or over here they're in bay everybody's running all over the place and now that we're getting back to normal we definitely have to get the team back to normal and i gotta get sever off his couch and back to cornering again and we <laughs> yeah, just gotta, yeah. We gotta make some adjustments yeah. or we're gonna have we're gonna run into some problems i mean because we got some at 55, that guy had great sparring partners for a McKinney, but right, it was right. you know that we didn't even use him, you know. Well, right. I mean? So it's kind of like again, it, it was quick, so it's hard to even make any assessment course, on anything. But uh, and but I, I do I, want I, to I, add, sure, like Kenny, Kenny's right too. Hands up doesn't mean you know mean good defense. I mean, I you know guys like even even covering punches, right? I go, you still got to be looking where they're coming. You can't just put your hands up like this and think right. like the guy's going to go away. you got to be rolling. Yeah, you still got to be rolling and turning your body. People, this is a concept they don't really get for a while, you know? So you're right. Your hands up doesn't mean, what does that mean? You're not going to get hit? No, there's a million right. ways to get hit. So, uh, yeah, I just feel big because of the last minute change, you know, everything. Well, that's else. the thing that I was going to add yeah. is that if you go to tapology and look at Matt Frivola's last year and a half, it's insane. He's had five fights canceled, a couple against Roberts, a couple against Camacho, nothing easy about it. And, uh, I think that mentally he's tough enough that he'll be able to turn this around and, uh, and spin it forward in a productive way. But you really got to feel for what his last year and a half has held. Uh, no, Hey Ray, you got, you got, uh, Longo Weidman MMA's Steve Lee competing this weekend. Is that wow. correct? He is a yes. longtime listener of the Anakin Florian podcast. So if you thought we were going to get through this segment without giving Steve Lee some shine, wow. you're crazy. I'm talk glad to me you... about Steve Lee. No, Steve Lee, look, he's a big help in the gym. He's he manages the gym. Uh he the guy's helped me out. He's become my right hand man the last year. So he's had a great camp. I'm sure he's gonna do fine uh this weekend because he looks great. We also have Anthony Delemi. He's always been Aljo's sparring partner yep. and a lot of guys in the gym. He's just a, another killer coming up. Um, Luca from Italy, Luca Finocchio. Uh, what oh, a great- Luca Finocchio. You son of a bitch. Guys, now he's. Uh-huh. Now he's mocking the Italians because Vittori lost. This <laughs> you're going to get canceled. You'll get canceled right off your own show. You're right. You're right. <laughs> you know, right. serious. Right? So, uh, now you made me forget little Chris Pereira, but uh, yeah, it's a great, great four, four really cool guys at the gym finally getting the, the fight again. So that's good. And uh, anything on Aljo and Jan? I obviously have been seeing an uptick in terms of Aljo's 
output and work in training. I mean, you think we see these guys before the end of the year? Oh, I think we see them before the end of the year. I think we're looking, we're looking at November, yeah. Uh, and I think uh, also on that note, uh, it looks like uh, Marab has a huge fight coming up. Huge. Yes, I do know about that. But my oh. so are we allowed to talk about it or not? I don't. Well, you, yeah. I mean, you can. I can't. If you want to break that news, by all means. I think but he's. Uh, I looks like he's, Yeah, it looks like he's fought, fighting Marlon Moraes uh, at wow. the end of September. Yes. What a great fight, That's huh? Awesome. Look at his smile. Look at his smile I on like John's that. face. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, Call yeah, my no. number, baby. Call oh, my number. Now we're friends again. Yeah. Oh, we're all dude. Hey, literally, if you look at the hey. favorites. Oh, I mean, he was say he's sensitive this morning. Holy <laughs> no, no, he's, he's 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 got, I love to see he's got some fight in him, though, Kenny. He's, he's barking at me a little. Oh my god. The greatest compliment that I can give you, at least in terms of how I value you as a friend, is that not only are you in the favorites on my phone, but again, if I was having my second marriage, my marrying my second wife this weekend, you I I put you <laughs> on the highest pedestal. How dare you? And his analogies are the best. Like that. I, I tell you what, you're just. Disrespecting you're, my wife? Disrespect. You're not getting married, remarried. Chrissy's not going anywhere. So. That's right. Well, let's hope not. For the record, no, he, he, told me, he told me for his second, his third, and his fourth wife, he would have you. Yeah. yeah no yeah. doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. First off, if you ever got divorced or something happened, God forbid. <laughs> I wouldn't let you get remarried. Trust me. I'd be right there. Right. <laughs> Telling you to That's go the what other real way. Friends do. That's right. what real friends do. Right. Wait, hold on, guys. So have we mentioned the Islanders at all? Uh, oh, uh, how about uh, that in your back pocket? Congratulations. Uh, yeah. to, what happened uh, to that? You're just going to breeze over that like nothing oh, ever that happened. Hurt. That let's, hurt. Erase, Congratulations. Let's, I mean, let's erase history. Why not? Uh, just erase it. You're good. You're good. Forget about the win, guys. Forget about the win. Did you hear the singing of the national anthem? Oh, my Did God. Did you hear that patriotism at the Coliseum? Yeah. Did yeah. you hear that? Yeah. That's all. That has nothing yeah. to do with the win. Yeah, it's that about was... unity, bringing people together under the great flag. Yeah. No? You're right. I guys, think uh, I'm feeling every party. I think even the legend Renee Rancourt uh, would have appreciated that rendition. But, yeah, no, that was electric at the Nassau Coliseum. We congratulate uh, the Islanders, who, by the way, are already up 1-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals. I hope they win it all, Did you know that, Ray? Did yeah. you know yeah. that? No, I didn't already... know that. Right. You did right. right. I didn't even know they won it. I didn't even know they won. I just saw that. I just listened to the national anthem. Then I turned it uh, off. You know, yeah. We congratulate though, Brian Boom Kelleher, the true Islanders fan. Wyman, don't even come at me. And by the way, I, can can Chris not like be sparring seven weeks out from his broken leg? That has to be ill-advised by his He's doctor an and head coach, I would think. No, I heard he's he, doing the bone is still there's still a loose bone fragment in his leg. Why is he sparring? Did he, did he put up the video of him jogging around the track? No, uh, maybe. I don't know. Oh, I don't know if you saw that yet. Hey, hopefully he has his doctor's <laughs> blessing. But obviously he's a warrior, and we we have. Nah, nah, he's, un he's unbelievable. I saw him play sparring with Tom Lane, another guy, another Long Island kid who's training yep. down in the Carolinas. He's going to be fighting in a couple of months. He's going to make wrestle to Cal Poly. Cal Poly. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, thanks, man. Uh, for all the contributions, don't forget if you want that Ray Longo merchandise, uh, <laughs> it is on our website, anaclorianpodcast.com. He is at Ray Longo MMA. And if you have suggestions as to what percentage of sales Ray should get, you can hit that at <laughs> anaclorianpod. But Cody will take care of you. Rest Honey, get the call. We're rich. <laughs> <laughs> you don't feel it, man. Yeah.
Holy shit. Contribute, please contribute to the buy Ray Longo a new caddy. Can we please get that fun going? Kenny? Yeah. Someone is, who listens to this show is gonna is gonna show up and just drop off a, a, a caddy at your house. <laughs> Escalator time. Ray wants to buy some colored contact hey, lenses. The last last thing, shout out, and I forget, I've got to go back and get his name, but whoever recommended this light to me on Twitter, man, this is uh this is a game changer. I could actually that? see myself on the podcast. How much did that light cost? We would like to reimburse you. Uh well, that was under $20, I think. All right. Well, we'll pay you $20 for nah, the light. And, uh, yeah, you I'm serious. Ken, we'll, we'll, we'll no, send the you a check on. this week. We're just going to send you a bonus. The light's on me. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we're we're going to send you a check this week uh, from Anakin Florian LLC to try to maybe reestablish some of the goodwill that, that expired on this episode. <laughs> so, uh, the check's in the mail. Uh, Bilal Muhammad's joining us here shortly. So uh, uh, we got to Congratulations to him. Very smart fight. That's a guy with a fight IQ, at least. There's no doubt about it. Hey, Ray, thanks, my man. We love you. Hey, guys. Take it easy, man. Awesome. I'll talk to you. Take care. All right, there he is, the Ray Longo Minute, every week here on the Anakin Florian Podcast, Dating 2, Episode 1, today brought to you by our friends at Egg Weights. You see that Anakin Florian Podcast monogram right on the Egg Weights, eggweights.com, at Egg Weights on social media. I love running with these things. It makes a five-mile run absolute hell, but. I've been running with the two-pounders and uh, living to tell about it. Ken Flo, very quickly, Dana White at the post-fight press conference suggested that Colby Covington is still the number one contender for Kamaru Usman's UFC welterweight title. Um, Didn't seem like the boss thought Leon Edwards did enough to get that championship opportunity. Ultimately, it could be Usman who decides, but do you think it's going to be Covington and Kamaru next, and and Leon might maybe will have one more fight? Yeah, most likely. I I think that... uh... Covington, obviously, with their first fight and his ability to build up the fight. I think, uh, you know, looking at him, I'm sure the UFC sees that as um, as the biggest fight they can promote right now. All right, well, now joining us here on the Anakin Florian podcast, he is one of the best welterweights in the world. He will have a single digit next to his name when the new rankings are released this week. Also host of Remember the Show on this very YouTube channel. Bilal, remember the name Muhammad wanted this Damian Maya fight, accepted it, dominated. And I got to think this fight went down largely the way he expected it to. Cody, do we have Bilal? I'm waiting to see this man's face. Oh, the star <laughs> of the show. I mean, this guy is, is a budding superstar. Hey, man. <laughs> What's up, Congratulations. Brother? Um, what a great win. Total domination. Um, your, your single leg takedown defense is, is a sight to behold. And so is everything about your game at this point. I mean, I, I got to think you're pretty satisfied having watched it back at this point with, with what you put forth this weekend. Yeah. I appreciate you, bro. Yeah. You know, it was one of those things where you go in there, you always have a mindset of how you're going to do against Dane Maya. Like I always said, man, I can, I can beat him. I can beat him. He loves a single leg and my single leg defense, my takedown defense is like, I know I'm up there with the best of the best. And I always kept telling everybody that. And then I, like you said, I always been, I've been asking Maya for Maya for years, just because I wanted to test it against a guy like that. And then uh, to go out there and defend all those takedowns, it was, uh, it was amazing. Because then now, like the world knows, like all right, this guy can wrestle too, and that's what I wanted to prove. How much were you asked about single leg takedown defense leading up to this fight? <laughs> I wasn't asked about that at all. At a lot, right? At all? I mean, I know we didn't talk about it in the fighter meeting. I had talked with 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 Paul about it a little bit offline. Um, but it's interesting, right? Because Paul didn't have enough good things to say about how strong a part of your game that is. 
Yeah, it was like literally like everybody knows, like all my teammates and everybody knows whoever go with me, they know like, dude, they're like, you're, you're impossible to take down with a single leg. And if he goes with that mindset of only trying to take you down with a single leg, it, it's not going to work. And for me, I love doing that because it gets guys more tired because I'll be like, all right, keep trying to take me down with a single leg. And they get gassed out every single time you do that. So it was like, it was working out perfectly to plan, except for when he got that first takedown, I was like, oh crap. He got <laughs> the first, I was like, damn. But then it was like one of those, you're like, in my mind, I was like, crap, he got me down. But then I was like, all right, we, we literally been doing this all camp. Get up the smart way. Don't give up your back. Because that's what he waits for. He waits for you to panic a little bit, and then he jumps right. on your back, and then you're, you're screwed. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that. He, he did take you down briefly. Um, what did that do for your confidence, though, when, once you got back to your feet? It literally, it made everything like, – like, it made me know that I belonged in there. Because it was like one of those where – you sit there, you watch tape for him for eight weeks. I've been watching him my whole life. You see him right when he got Masvidal down the first time. He dropped on his back and he he stayed on his back the whole time. Like every single guy that he's gone against, like the top guy, Usman, he had him in a bad spot when he with that wizard. He had uh, Gilbert Burns took, took him down right away, took his back right away. Right. So it's like you're looking at all those guys. When he gets that first takedown, he always gets you in a bad spot. And all those guys were always put in a bad position. I'm like, damn, all right, so what's going to be my bad position? Then I was like, you know what? Let's get up first. Let's not give him that bad position, and we'll, we'll be all right. Yeah, it, it seems like you always have the right approach for pretty much every single fight. Um, you know, your fight IQ, your ability to execute. In, in this fight, I think not only was your single leg defense on point, but also your ability to get Damian Maya tired. I mean, you were making him work for positions that he just wasn't going to get. Uh, is that the way you saw this fight going down? Yeah, for if the biggest thing for me was uh, being smart and not over overdoing it. Yeah, uh, my coach were always like, "You have to, you have to be so, uh, you have to be annoying with your game plan more than he is with his game plan. We have to stay long. We have to keep moving, keep our feet moving, make him overthink. Let him. All right, he goes for a single leg. We're not gonna, we're not gonna get pushed back. Let him. Don't let him lock his hands. Do not let him lock his hands. Do not let him lock his hands. And that was just our mindset of just like, all right. Just keep, get back to the game. Get back to the game. And in the third round, I like, hit him with a really good cross. But you know how Maya is. You heard him, then it's like you try to rush him, and then literally right. with a guy shooting 20 times, you're like, damn, I can't. you can't overdo anything with him because that's when he waits for that. And then if he gets you down, it's like you, you, you lose the whole round there. Right. UFC welterweight contender Bilal Muhammad with us here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. You can catch his show this Thursday night live on the Anakin Florian Podcast YouTube channel. Oh, I'm taking a win. Whoa! Uh, yeah, yo! Want to wait till Thursday? So Jason oh, Anik is with and us. You know, Cody just before I get to you two hosts of the show. What's up, bully? Yeah, what's bully? up, brother? Yeah, bully! <laughs> Six in a row, baby! Yeah, bully! Yeah, the, the real celebration is Thursday night. But I know Jay, who hosts the show with Bilal, wanted to come on. And uh, Jay, what is it like for you watching this dude? Because, dude, like if Bilal loses this fight, like Thursday night ain't no fun. <laughs> Thursday night we're taking off. We're taking off Thursday. Yeah, yeah, night, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked how I was watching it. You know, and it's like when the Patriots lose, I try and think about what it's like for the players and the coaches. Got to be worse for them than me. So when I'm thinking about, I was nervous as hell. You can be sure it's a different feeling. Even like Bilal, the more I get to know you, to be honest, you're more like a brother. The more nervous I get as these fights come on. But dude. It played out. I, I haven't listened, so I don't know what you guys have been saying. But, dude, it played out exactly how you expected it to. I mean, I can't tell you how often I heard you sort of describe what could happen. And 
bottom line is you got to get the win. You got to get out of there with the win. And you did. And move and keep the train rolling. I'm all fired up. Huh. Kenny, Kenny's probably fired up. Bitcoin having a nice day. <laughs> Anakin Florida podcast. Jason's on fire today, dude. <laughs> I love it. Hey, so, Jay. Go ahead. Yo, no, I just, I got so much. So uh, another thing too, Bilal. And dude, I'm so excited to see you. I This is weird. I'm doing this on my phone. I usually got Bilal nice and big in my face. But even if Maya had been successful taking you down, there's no, we don't know what would have happened on the ground. We don't know how quickly you would have been up or what type of success you would have had there. So, and dude, your flexibility with the leg in the air. Um, I mean, I'm not kidding. Seriously. I mean, that was impressive how high that to be able to escape that. I just, dude, I mean, you did what you needed to do to get the win against that opponent. And in a lot of what I sort of message Lou and you, it's all about the win. And, that's that was the path against this dude. So right, proud right. of you, bro. I'll keep Thank my you, brother. Out. <laughs> All right, Jay. Thanks for chiming in. You can see Jay, by the way, on Thursday night <laughs> on Remember the Show. Not that I'm trying to like get you out of here. If you have something else to add for sure, but I got like seven questions left with Bilal. And- <laughs> oh no, I'll get out of here. But congratulations, Flo, on the birth of your boy. Thank you, and, brother. And 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 I'll just say one more thing. You know, I don't know if I've seen Kenny face to face since your wedding, John. Right. right. But you and Kenny had just gotten to know each other. And it's sort of like me and Bilal. Like, I can't get enough Bilal. I've only known him since September, right? But at John's wedding, I had to give a speech as the best man. And he had known Kenny like six months, maybe. And I had to give this speech. And I was real nervous about this speech. And and I said, this is like 10, 11 years ago. I was like, Kenny Florian should probably be up here. John was, John already liked Florian more than me after like six months. That's true. I was so happy. That you dropped Ken Flo's name in that speech. I wanted everyone to know that Kenny Florian was at my wedding. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, but anyway, hey, fully, you. I'll see you in a few days. Love you guys. I rather appreciate you. So a lot of people are bemoaning the fact that Bilal didn't get the post-fight interview with Joe Rogan. And that was really a byproduct of the fact that we had three five-round fights forthcoming and trying to maybe keep the in-arena momentum going. Nobody was up more upset than me that you didn't get that opportunity. Thankfully, every time you get a mic, bro, Pre-fight scrum, post-fight scrum, you're maximizing those moments. But to that end, your reasoning for taking the Damian Maya fight was twofold, right? You wanted to prove yourself in this stylistic challenge, but you also felt like beating a guy like that, who's a future Hall of Famer, would be a great legacy win that would get you that next big fight. So this does set you up now to get one of those big names. What is your prediction or expectation as to how the promotion is going to proceed with you now? Honestly, I, I, I'm hoping I get a five-rounder. Uh, five I want a main event. I feel like it, it did, like, beating a guy like Maya. Like, literally, uh, before the fight, I was listening to Chael Sonnen. Chael Sonnen does a little spiels of who he thinks is going to win. He picked Maya. He did. But he was like, hey, guys, you know, I fought Maya before, and I don't like to bring it up because, honestly, you know, I never had a guy that I fought before that I, that beat me that I would want to rematch with because Maya's one of those guys where, like, you, it's he's one of the hardest guys to uh, fight for. And if he takes you down, it's over. And then, like, you're thinking that he can't strike, but this guy hit me the hardest I've ever gotten hit before. And I'm listening to it before uh-huh. the fight. And I'm like, oh, man, chill. Wait, wait, wait right. what is he talking about? And then I drove to the arena with Jamal Hill. And the whole way on the way to the arena, Jamal Hill's like, yeah, bro, we're going against Jitsu guys. They don't think we got Jitsu, but we're about uh-huh. to kill these guys. And then he was the fight before me against his arm broken. Right. I'm like, uh-huh. what the fuck? What's going on right now? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, but I was like, it was, that was crazy, but then I was like, you know what? Let's let's do this. We got through it, and 
to beat a guy like that, I feel like I earned a five round fight. And uh, I'm hoping, you know, I just want to go upward. I, I'm hoping I want that rematch with Luke back. I feel like obviously Leon won. The, the you know that's ten in a row for him, but he's looking at Usman. But like, yeah, for me honestly, if it's they're talking about Kobe next, like who's Leon gonna fight? Right, right. So, but it's like one of those where anytime I bring up Leon's name, people want to start crying. Like, oh, why are you still thinking about him? But I'm right. like, it honestly makes sense if you think about it. If they're gonna give Kobe him, who are they gonna give Leon? Right. Masvidal's not gonna fight him. Right. Uh, there's nobody else. Uh, Wonder Boy and Gilbert Burns are fighting each other. So if you're looking at that top, the, it makes sense. But yeah, I mean, I who know? I mean, you could get a main event against Colby Covington if Kamaru insists that he's fighting Leon. So I do believe focusing on the five rounder and the main event is smart, and I think that's probably what's going to come your way. That's that's very exciting stuff. All right, a couple more minutes here with Bilal Muhammad, and again, I appreciate you joining us today. I don't want to keep you too long. So I got to meet your brothers, and that was very exciting for me. And of course, <laughs> one of them, the first thing he asked is like, "Where's your brother?" I'm like, "That's a goddamn good question." But, <laughs> I didn't even get to mention on the air that your father was in the building to watch you compete live in the UFC for the first time, because I think I was just so focused on the fight. I certainly had it on my notes, but that had to be pretty cool for your dad to come see you live for the first time and, and to not really have any moment of concern, right. To be able to come watch your son and have him totally dominate had to be pretty cool for you. Yeah, it was amazing. Honestly, like literally everybody was texting me the whole time. Like he's having the time of his life right now. He's having the time of his life. And like to, it, we we saw him before the fight. He saw me walk out, uh, and I was able to shake up. With him. It was like it was like a like you know because he's one of the guys who literally never goes anywhere. Like never left Chicago except for like Palestine or like going to family weddings or something like that. So like for him to be able to come and just like chill and relax with us, we tried to take him to Camelback Mountain yesterday. He, he passed. He almost passed out at like five minutes. So like yo, go back down, sit in the car, turn the air conditioning on. But uh, it was cool to see him there, and like he was sitting there, my, my, he was yelling the whole time in the crowd, like. Viva Las Vegas! Viva Las Vegas! There are so many videos. I was like, oh, man, it's hilarious. But it's well, honestly, I didn't it was, think it was of amazing. him. I thought of him when I was told in my ear that we had to turn and burn and that Rogan wasn't going in to interview you because I was just hoping that your dad was going to get to see that, you know? Um, yeah. But it is what it is. So uh, a couple more things. Are you at your new house right now, by the way? No, I'm still at the hotel in uh, All right. yeah, in, uh, I thought Arizona. Arizona. All right, when are you going home? What are you still doing there? I'm it's going Monday tonight. Uh, that was the thing. Right. We wanted to do Camelback Mile yesterday. Oh, okay. So, I was, all so right. I was like, all right, we'll stay next day. Got it. So uh, publicly acknowledged by Teddy Atlas. I thought that was pretty cool as well to see him acknowledge your your takedown defense. Yeah, honestly, that was amazing to have a guy like that. I love it that he's starting to watch MMA more now. And then, like, you know, he has a great mindset, great coach mindset. So to, to get respect for him is amazing. So you see Damian Maya after the fight. Did you notice he's wearing a damn Anakin Florian podcast T-shirt? You're probably like, what's going on here? Dude, I was like, wait, what? Is he trying to steal my job or something? What's going on? No. Hey, hey, we could have picked anyone on the roster to uh, align with, and we chose you. We will see you Thursday night on Remember the Show. And one thing I want to just add here, uh, Aaron Bronstetter, the great reporter, wrote on Twitter, Bilal Muhammad is the first UFC welterweight to beat Damian Maya that has not fought for or won a UFC welterweight championship. I would add the word yet. So, obviously, some rarefied air. And uh, in terms of your timeline, um, I'd imagine maybe September, October. Like, when would you like to get back in there? Yeah, yeah, definitely September, October. You know, I, I don't have no injuries. I was sitting there freaking hiking yesterday. So, uh, I'm feeling good. Uh, I got a couple guys. Uh, Ignacio just got a fight in August. So, I'm going to have to be right back in the gym helping him out. Well, congrats on a big win. Can't wait to see those rankings. Can't wait to see the show Thursday night. And uh, thanks for a few minutes, my man. Go enjoy it. Thanks, boys. All right, there he is. You have to welcome contender Bilal. Remember the name Muhammad. 
So Dana White comes over to the broadcast booth, Ken Flo, after um, probably after Bilal's fight. And he said, I just want to let you guys know that Jamal Hill had a dislocation. They popped it back in. And Dana sort of insisted essentially that he's 100%. Now, I'm sure there's going to be an MRI to make sure there's no tendon or ligament damage. But right. Jamal was very encouraged as to how he came out of that. Um, but as a credential Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, I would like to get your thoughts on Paul Craig because he seems to be a real problem at light heavyweight. And uh, Jamal Hill is a pretty good jiu-jitsu practitioner. That was his first martial art. He's been doing jiu-jitsu for like 18 years. Um, he was no match for Paul Craig on the ground. You know, there, there's levels, obviously, and Paul Craig uh, so confident, in fact, that he just kind of uh, dropped to his back very casually, kind of like, hey, I know something that you don't. And boy, did he go for it. He did a great job of controlling the gloves as well and uh, just was creating the right angles, whether it was creating that omoplata or going for the line, going for the line. Um, he was nonstop attacking. And this is what is so exciting when you see a guy who has adapted his jujitsu game for combat and not for sport, there is a difference. And man, he was just on fire. Um, and it was, it was nasty to watch though. And I think there was a lot of incompetence on behalf of the referee, not recognizing yeah. that there was a situation because it could have been bad and, you know, dislocations, you know, Hey, it's, it's not really a big deal. He'll have a sore arm, even though, you know, uh, he's a hundred percent. I'll definitely right. have a sore arm for a little bit. Um, those aren't fun. The ligaments are still get stretched in that process. And, you know, the dislocation isn't fun to, to kind of get put, put back in place. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, he prior, um, you know, how aggressive he was and the way that he was controlling the body. Uh, Paul Craig, man, really impressed me. Uh, definitely his most impressive performance. Guy's a bonus machine. Can't believe Terrence McKinney didn't get one for seven seconds. Shelby loves those jujitsu guys, man. But no, congratulations to Paul Bairdju Craig, who will get a big fight in that light heavyweight top 15. And can we put some respect on the name Brad Quake Riddell, please? I think he passed Nick Diaz as my favorite fighter over the weekend. You know, one thing I thought was interesting, Drew Dober said pre-fight, Kenny, about this fight of the night with Brad Riddell, that even though they both are Muay Thai practitioners who come at the game from that perspective, that... Brad Riddell didn't necessarily adapt his MM, his striking to MMA the way Drew Dober had. Those were Dober's words, not mine. Um, but that's mm -hmm. clearly not the case. What what an effort from Brad Riddell. He had to lean on every skill he has, and that includes the intangibles, the heart, everything else. What'd you make of Brad Riddell over Drew Dober in the fight of the night? Heart, determination, uh, yeah. adjustments. Um, you know, in the first round, he definitely seemed a little bit tight. He seemed a little bit nervous. Uh, and you know, Dober almost made him pay for that, almost got him out of there. Um, but Brad started to adjust. He started to relax, started to let his game fly. Uh, and I, I thought he showed a tremendous amount of heart, uh, in that fight. And, and, and you found out why maybe he, he started off a, a, a little bit slow, obviously had a heavy heart, uh, was yep. dealing with, you know, one of his friends and training partners, uh, who had passed and Israel Adesanya. Uh, talked about it as well in his fight but you know that that's a difficult thing to deal with man and um, for him to be able to push through uh, not only that experience of, of losing a you know a great friend uh, but also having to deal with that adversity of Drew Dober just staying right in his face and almost yeah. getting him out of there and uh, he relied on his grappling skills which was yeah. so cool yeah. to, to actually have him survive so um, I was really impressed by his performance it was a great fight 
Uh, it was a close fight, and uh, he ended up getting it done. I definitely thought Riddell won the fight. Significant strike efficiency. Riddell, 64%. Drew Dober, 43%. 5 for 11 on the takedowns. And I just love so much about this Brad Riddell. I would add to it, Kenny, that he's of this mentality that to be champion, he's going to have to beat Gregor Gillespie and Islam Makhachev. So instead of trying to handpick maybe the most favorable matchup in that top 10, he wants that Gregor Gillespie fight back. And he said to us, in mentally preparing for Gregor Gillespie, he just feels like that helped take a part of his mental game to the next level, right? For eight weeks, wrapping yourself around fighting just a guy who you know is going to match you in terms of the conditioning and the cardio, you know, the pace and the pressure and everything sure. that encompasses a Gillespie fight. And and that's the fight that Riddell wants, and they're both coming off wins. I think they're going to probably put that fight back together. That's awesome. Again, it shows, um, you know, what kind of mindset he has. I think um, – he will be much better prepared the second time around. You can see that he's been working on his grappling skills. Um, and he's definitely a fighter to watch, man. So 155 pounds is in good form. And Brad Riddell is going to be ranked for the first time in his UFC career. Did you see the uh, the flyweight eliminator, eliminator between Lauren Murphy and Jojo Calderwood? I believe you did, right? Because I think you pushed out. I, I saw moments. I saw moments of it. Uh, yeah, I was kind I of on baby duty out. a little bit during that fight, but I okay. did. Yes. I think you pushed out a tweet that said Bruce Buffer with the cold-blooded fake out looking yes. out. Wasn't that the fight where yes. he did it on? Yes. I like, was like, of what? all fights to do it on, my man Buff. Like, I mean, so I know the decision, so I can see that he's right. doing this, right? But, you know, I did watch the whole thing. Of course, I was calling the fight. Um, yeah. Lauren Murphy is one of my favorite people. Um, Jojo Calderwood is one of my favorite people on this roster, top to bottom. Um, so I say this with respect to Lauren Murphy. I thought Jojo won the fight two one, and uh, really? yeah. Um, but Lauren Murphy thought she had banked two rounds, and and seems like maybe you were you would agree, yeah. I, I I thought Lauren won the fight, but I I don't know. You know, again, I was kind of on baby duty during that Fair fight, enough. and a How's little bit during the Riddell and Dober fight. He's doing good, man. He's doing not as he's easy as your cry. daughter. Powerful cry. <laughs> really good at crying. Not um, as easy as your daughter to this point in his life. True, true was like the perfect baby. Like I didn't even know. Like she didn't cry like ever. Um, right. But um, or it'd be like a little whine, and she was fine. Yeah. Um, he's he's got. I think it's his survival instincts are very strong. That's what that, I'm that's going. Good. With. I like that. Um, yeah. So how old is he now? He geez, he's going to be four weeks on Thursday. All right, so you so, haven't hit him yet. No, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry. No. <laughs> I, um, I need to ask you about yet. Clarissa Shields. Yes. Because while I was immersed in UFC 263 preparation on Thursday night, you did have a PFL broadcast, and I was hearing from some people that I respect to a great extent who said it was one of the more interesting MMA contests that they have seen in a long time just based upon the adversity that she faced early just witnessing her hand speed and her boxing skills with small gloves in that type of setting. And then of yep. course, watching her rally for the win. So what do you have for our audience on Clarissa Shields? The quote, um, you know, for me, listen, does she have a lot to learn? There's no question about it. I think where she was making her mistake and she kept getting taken down. She was in some really tough spots. She was mounted for, a large part of the fight or in side control. So she was in a lot of inferior positions, but what was so impressive is I see a lot of these people who come from striking backgrounds or even other people in, in grappling backgrounds for that matter, who freak the F out when they're mounted or when they, 
And she stayed so composed. Mm -hmm. Like it showed her level, not only her level of toughness, but her level as a competitor to mm -hmm. keep it together, to stay composed, to trust the process and to find a way. That to me was the most impressive thing. And the biggest takeaway from Clarissa is that, you know, and her killer instinct, like she would follow her up to try to finish the fight and then she'd get reversed on the ground. It was like, oh, you, you heard Greg Jackson and Mike Winklejohn telling her, don't engage on the ground, stand it back up. And she, anytime she felt that she had her hurt or vulnerable, she would just try to pounce on her to try to beat her up. Right. So anyways, in the end, she ended up getting it done on the ground with a brutal TKO. She was landing some brutal shots that stopped Brittany Elkin. Um, but um, anytime you're able to win and learn from your mistakes, it's a great thing. But this is a champion boxer who has a champion mindset for MMA, who you know is aware that she has a lot to work on, but she really did what she said she was going to do. And she said, she takes me down to the ground, I'm a dog, and yeah. I'm going to stay right in this fight the whole time. So just uh, you know, A-class mind mindset as yeah. a fighter. And absolutely a dog. We congratulate all the winners on the PFL and UFC side. Mobsar Ievloyev, got to shout him out. Big win over Hakeem Dawadu, undefeated fighter, and, and would appear to be a real featherweight problem moving forward in the UFC. And thanks to all the fans in Arizona, many of whom just wanted to talk about the Anakin Forum podcast. And you know nothing warms my hat when you approach me on the road and you talk about the podcast. One listener at Loaf23 did want me to address the booing crowd. Ken Flo solicited some tweets. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the crowd was loud, but not necessarily the best post-pandemic crowd. That's what Dana White said at the post-fight press conference. I would respectfully disagree. I would give Jacksonville the nod for sure. Those people were loud as hell, early arriving, no booing. Um, there was a lot of booing going on this weekend, and I don't like the athletes to have to deal with that. But uh, overall, another one in the can, and uh, we will continue the UFC 263 conversation later this week on social media. But now it is time for the pronunciation of the week as we call on our executive producer, Cody Merrill. Hi, Cody. Hello. I mean, I can't help but disagree with Dana because Houston's a much better looking crowd. I think we can agree there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, hopefully you're enjoying the show so far, Cody. Thanks for all of your contributions uh, to all the content. Um, all right. Pronunciation of the week. So this one is Naughties. And the genesis of this, Kenny, I don't even know who the guy's fighting this weekend. I'm a little bit hurting here on a Monday morning. Um, but... <laughs> I tried to voice this combo feature last week while I was in Phoenix, and I had to stop my voiceover session and just practice this name. I proceeded to say this name 65 times, 65. And then I was able to go back to the combo feature, and it was second nature to me. So now I have committed this name to memory. That being said, Cody. Um, Good luck. Yeah, like what do you have for us on this one? Well, see, I'm imagining John egg weights in one hand, baseball pitcher counter in the other. Just That's right. Every time he claps down this name. Funny enough, John, this guy once tangled with Sapabek Safarov. So very interesting pronunciation matchup there. There you go. This is Nikolai Negumarianu. All right, let's hear him say it. Negumarianu Nikolai. Outstanding. I think he gets it. Pretty good, Negumarianu. Right? Negumarianu. I, I thought that was pretty good, man. I Great job, the, Coach. The first name's tough. When you look at it, that's tough. So if you're showing up on fight day, Buff, and saying Negumerianu for the first time, you are not going to get it right. The last name is six fucking syllables. The only way to get it right is to say it 65 times in your room. So then you show up and it's Nic Nikolai. Is Nic to look up Nicolai similar names. Negumerianu. 
in Romanian pronunciations and look them up on YouTube. That's how the prep goes to the pronunciation of the week. Right. People right. say, I'm not prepared. Uh, well, right. See, our oh man, TJ DeSantis, our, our longtime producer, God love him, but uh, he would just kind of show up and just kind of wing it, whereas Cody's actually putting work into this. So, uh, <laughs> He's prepping. So, all right, so now you're three and six, man, which means that uh, in, in a few weeks you'll be over 500. Great stuff, brother. I'm making a comeback, boys. Let's go. All right, so Let's this go. weekend – Live on ESPN2, it is UFC Fight Night, the Korean Zombie versus Ige. I wonder if Chan Sung Jung's father is like, can you put some respect on my name? Like, you actually took our entire name off the fight card now. Like, he's just the Korean Zombie. But that's neither here nor there. Let's get to the main event. Mr. Challenge. Zombie. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely now. I finished fights. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, and now joining us to make picks for UFC Fight Night, the Korean Zombie versus Ige is the great Ian Parker on social media at Ian Parker MMA. 73 to 54 for Team Anik, differentiator this week. You guys agreed a lot last week, but Ian was on the Brandon Moreno side. And uh, man, what a win for Brandon Moreno. Ian Parker, how you doing this morning, my brother? I am tired, but I'm ready to rock. Uh, maybe my uh, exhaustion will help Kenny here a little bit. But uh, no, you know what? Um, <laughs> those that was a long night. You know, I think oh. that extra five that extra five rounder with Nate. You know, I was saying to myself, can Nate just not be such a tough guy just one time and just go down just to give us because Moreno did it, and I didn't think that was going to go. You know, and and Adesanya was just playing with his food for five rounds. He he just wanted that cage time. It was. Oof. I actually think you're right about that. Uh, that last statement you made about kind of playing with his food. And uh, I pushed out a tweet. I'm trying to find it right now, but uh, essentially that this set the record for the most fight time in UFC history, right? So it was three hours, 19 minutes and 32 seconds, right? So a pro football game is 60 minutes, right? This was 199 minutes of talking. And of course our beloved producer, Cody Merrow tweets like, yeah, it didn't feel that long. It's like, speak for yourself, bro. You know, I mean, I went up to do the post-fight show I was like blacked out. I felt under the influence when I went up to do that post-fight show. So I'd imagine Ian fans on the East Coast, uh, you know, it's three and a half football games, man. I, I mean, I, I look, as much as I loved Nate Diaz back on this, I don't really need a non-co-main event in five-rounder. Right. I actually yeah. think if it was three rounds, maybe they would have both, you know, he wouldn't have like done that whole turn around and face his butt to him. Like, oh, okay, I'm going to mess with you. Like, because he knew he had five rounds to do it, but... Yeah. yeah, that was just so unnecessary. That was such an unnecessary yeah. length of time. All right, let's get to our predictions for UFC Fight Night, the Korean Zombie versus Dan Ige. First prediction for us, Marlon Chito Vera, minus 250. Davey Grant, plus 195. This is a rematch. The odds are essentially flipped from that first fight. Quick story on this one, because the reason Chito and I are actually close is because of the bond that we established in the London bar after that first fight. And Chito was one and two in the UFC at the time was worried that they were going to fight, uh, cut him. And I'm like, dude, Ecuador, baby, they ain't cutting you. You're one and two. He won three in a row after the fact and uh, wasn't because of my pep talk. But we really bonded that night, and, and he's won eight of ten since that night. Davey Grant, Ian, you know, has dealt with myriad injuries over the years, but he is now in the best form of his career. Back-to-back -back bonus winning knockouts over Martin Day and Jonathan Martinez, and that served to set up this opportunity with the ranked Cheeto Vera, who is the favorite. Ian, who do you have on this one here at 135 pounds? Davey Grant is flying under the radar. That fight against Jonathan Martinez, I don't think anyone gave him a shot. He was taking a right. beating, and he just came back. And then against Day, everyone was like, oh, prospect, that matchup, and then he did it again. 
I don't think lightning striking for the third time here. I think Cheeto just has too many tools. I think the growth in his journey has been shown. He's not just a tough guy. His biggest weakness is his hesitancy. I know we talk this a lot. He, he takes a little while to get going, but in his last fight against um, Sugar Sean, he didn't. He finally stepped up, went for the leg kicks. He moved quicker. He pushed the pace. He was pressing. He has to against Davey Grant because Grant is really just going to wait for that power punch, in my opinion, or for the takedown. I think Cheeto's takedown defense is too good. You know, I, I don't think he should sleep on Grant. I think Grant is sneaky good, but I do like Cheeto here. And I believe Cheeto's last fight was against Jose Aldo and not Sean O'Malley, if I'm not mistaken. Could my my fault. You are correct. Well, who do you have? Cheeto and Davey Grant, my man. Yeah, listen, I, I like uh, I like Cheeto here as well. I think he does everything a bit better than Davy Grant. Um, maybe power aside, Davy Grant probably has the advantage there. Uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, Cheeto's better on the ground. I think he's more technical on the feet, has more weapons anyway, and and, and knows how to use them well. Um, and, and I think he's uh, pretty pretty deadly in the clinch as well. So uh, I, I take Cheeto to win this one. All right, let's get to the co-main event at heavyweight. You know Yanni the Greek's going to be on the younger fighter here. Sergey Spivak, minus 225. Alexei Olenek, plus 175. Olenek is set to turn 44 six days after the fight. Last win for him, split decision against Fabricio Verdum when we all broke quarantine. That was UFC 249 last year. He's been KO'd in two straight. On the other side, Ian, you got Spivak. He's won two in a row, three of four since dropping his UFC debut to the big ticket, Walt Harris. Co-main event, as such, we'll need the round and the method of victory. IP, which way are you going? What well, star-studded co-main event we got here? <laughs> uh, <laughs> really lighten up fight pass. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> I like. I don't know how to even take that seriously. Listen to these. Listen to the record of of Olympic alone. It's like this is co-main. This is kind of funny to me. Yeah, forty-one um, cards a year, bro. You know, I, I understand. I'm just, no, saying, but like in my opinion, Cheeto versus Davy Grant. I, I would have had the co-main with Cheeto. You know, I just, I kind of laugh like Spivak, really? Um, he's good though. He's a young prospect. I think he's talented. He's a very tall guy. I just, you know, in his fight against Tabura, you know, I think this could go somewhere that way where he gets taken down, put on his back. And I honestly, Olenek, he may get that, uh, what's that, the Ezekiel choke? He may get this one again. I think he goes out <laughs> running into the sunset. He, he's going to fall to his back. I think, I mean, the reality is this. Spivak is younger. He's more athletic. He's got he's got to have that rangy striking. I'm going to go with him, although I will root for my boy Olenek. Um, I love to see him get a win and get out because it's just ridiculous. I hate seeing him get KO'd. But if Spivak's not careful, that joke will come out of nowhere. But I'll roll with Spivak on this one. Not comfortable how do you have though. Him how do you have him winning decision? Oh dear God! Um, I forgot this. Point. I'm going to pick a result for this fight. Uh, I'm going to go TKO if he's going to do it. He's got to do it that way. Second All round. Right, last, all right, round two TKO for Sergey Spivak, the polar bear. Kemflo, what do you Kenny doesn't even want Kenny's just going to say Kenny, whatever Ian said. Next. No. Kenny, <laughs> Kenny kind of likes to pick guys born in 1977. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> listen, I, I, I'm unfortunately not going to pick the guy born in 1977 uh, this time around. Uh, so as so much not. as I'd be cheering for him, like Ian said. Um, I was going to go with a second round uh, TKO, uh, but uh, – Let's go with first round Spivak. Um, I think that Linick, you know, obviously hasn't quite developed his striking to to a high level. Uh, I do think that if he gets him to the ground, um, I, I think he can get it done. He's very persistent there and, and very strong. Um, however, I, I think it's going to be very difficult uh, here against the younger Spivak. So, yeah. By the way, Let's we go are going to start round. adding some boxing predictions to the main event challenge. Probably only two of them over the course of the year. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, and Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley. 
You're absolutely okay. being forced to pick Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley in August. So just get ready no, for that. All right, main I'll event. You, I'll give you my pick right now for that if you want. Then you can do it again then. I'll take it. You'll take it? Oh, I yeah. think Tyron Woodley. Early? Like, do you? Yeah. Uh, listen, look, I will give credit to Jake Paul. He puts it in the work. He's doing an unbelievable. He's a marketing wizard. Him and his brother, they may be the biggest pains in the ass on planet Earth, but look what they're doing. They're making millions of dollars, and look who they're fighting. You know, Logan Paul went the distance with Mayweather. Come on, go watch that. Mayweather knocked him out, held him up, carried it out because it made sense for Mayweather to make more money. Mayweather doesn't care. Jake Paul fighting Nate Robinson. Great. Fighting Ben Asker in a boxing match. Listen, Woodley's different. If Woodley takes this seriously and gets in good cardio shape, you're talking about a guy that was a UFC champ winning by knockouts, not just wrestling people right, to the ground right. from a long time. I think Jake Paul has talent. I think he works on his craft and takes it seriously, but this is a different level. But respect to taking an opponent a step up. That I will say. And I like Tyson Fury to do the same thing to Deontay Wilder as last time. Tyson Fury is going to get a big bet on me. I'll just tell you that. Maybe one of the biggest yeah. places in my life. Yeah. All right, main event at Featherweight. Kempflo will have you lead here. Fourth ranked Chan Sung Jung, minus 110. Number eight, Dan Ige, minus 110. A pick him here will need the round and the method of victory. No reminders this time. Ige's won seven of eight since dropping his UFC debut. I'm just kidding. I was a lot meaner to Ray today, for the record. Um, <laughs> and that includes for Ige the 22-second knockout of Gavin Tucker in his last fight in March. Then he welcomed a son, Bam, in April. I have not called a Korean zombie fight since February of 2017 when he KO'd Dennis Bermudez in a main event. Coming off a loss in his grudge match to Brian T. City Ortega in October. And that could have resulted in a title fight for the Korean zombie. Now he gets Dan Ige in the main event. Ken Flo, who wins it and how do they get it done? This should be an exciting one. Listen, I think that uh, Dan Ige is kind of a fresher uh, version and perhaps a more powerful version than a Korean zombie. Um, I, I think that uh, Korean zombie, um, you know, really hasn't adjusted his style too much. Um, you know, and, and a lot like Nate Diaz, he is certainly a guy who has mastered uh, perseverance, has a tremendous chin. Um, and uh, I, I think he's going to hang in there for a long time. But I do think that Dan Ige over time is going to wear down uh, Korean zombie. Uh, I'm not sure he's, he throws as much volume as the Korean zombie, but I think he's going to be more precise. I think he's going to be a little bit more accurate. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I don't see Korean zombie really taking him down or anything like that. It's possible, but, uh, let's go with Dan Ige here. Um, let's go with, uh, <laughs> 10. Littering and littering. Oh. Let's, go, let's go decision. Let's Eight. go decision, Dan Ige. Seven. All right, Ian Parker, what do you have in the main event? I just want to say one of my favorite things to do during a PFL broadcast is text Kenny and make him laugh right before he's about to, about to go on. It's uh, top three of my favorite things during that show. You've but stopped, uh, You've stopped texting me entirely except to brag about your results at the end of the zero game. truth zero truth to that i sent him a text i get it four days later sorry was one on three with dad duty so uh -huh. forced me to uh switch the relationship to with kenny and uh <laughs> kenny regret kenny regretfully texts me back he's yours now mom. ken Flo. he's yours now all right ian so what Listen, do you think about I went, this from mom to, I went from mom to dad real quick <laughs> um all right so <laughs> i like danny gay here look i think the korean zombies mystique is kind of fading a little bit i don't think it's what it, what it once was, and I think that going forward, willing to take one to give one is not the best idea against someone in Ige. Ige's got that cardio for days, um, and he can take a shot. 
You know, I don't know how much he could take from the zombies. Zombies got that sneaky power, but I think Ige's just on a roll here. I think that knockout over Gavin Tucker is a different level of confidence. I hope that doesn't change the way he fights, though. One of those things like, oh, I get a knockout, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm a boxer now, and I don't need to rely on my wrestling or my pressure against the cage. But I think Ige's a smart guy, and I think he knows it's a big win no matter how he gets it done. So I'm going to say, Ige, would you take any by decision? I'm going to go round four, TKO. All right, round four, TKO for Dan Ige is the pick to click for Ian Parker. If you want to keep everything that the duck has going on at Ian Parker MMA, some PFL stuff, CBS sports line as well. Do you guys have a PFL show on Thursday? We, we do. do. Ooh, wee. All right. Yeah, there. Ian, Ro- great Ro- stuff, Ro- buddy. Ro- Thank you. Roy, Mc- as Roy, McDon- Roy McDonald on the way back. Let's is go. You fighting Clayson Tebow. Is that accurate? Yeah. 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 I'm keeping yeah. tabs. I'm keeping tabs. Yeah. Even though I have 30 more athletes to research this week. God yeah, help seriously. me. Uh, been, he's been, listen, I'll say the fights have been pretty good. There's been some good events, you know, even with some of the matchups that we didn't expect to be um, with all be lopsided. Been some pretty good events. I just love your analysts. Kenny Florian. Guys, so <laughs> take five years off, just fucking kills us, you know, every week. He does. He really, he really does. And he gets my name right during the broadcast. I was, I was called a different name during the show. Kenny, te- Kenny texts me right away. Sean O'Connell during rehearsal calls me Ian Parkin. And then <laughs> and he's, like, he's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Then we go back on and let's go over to Jonathan Coachman and Ian Parkin. And you see him go, no. And, and I'm like, this and the camera goes to me and i'm like just like trying to not laugh but it, it's espn plus i'm not even caught the first part of that but uh it was well, fun thank you buddy good stuff we will talk to you soon you got it boys all right that is it for the main event challenge on the way out i just wanted to reiterate my gratitude for all the fans in phoenix arizona you know we've been away from fans kenny for a year and a half and it would seem to me that our fan base has kind of grown exponentially over the year and a half. And and the UFC was obviously lit when most of the sports world was dark and uh, just getting this warm embrace on the road, you know, instead of people motherfucking me at every show. No, I'm just kidding. It was never that, but it's just been really nice. And again, everybody, we appreciate you supporting the podcast. If you want merch and exploring podcast.com flow tube, of course, if you want to see Ken flows YouTube page, I would encourage you to check that out as well. And, uh, are you off to Atlantic City, New Jersey again? Is that where you're going? Yes, sir. Tomorrow, next couple weeks, next couple weeks. Yeah. Do they put you like in the exact same hotel room every time you go back? They actually they did for the first time around. Now this uh, set of shows, um, I'll find out tomorrow. Uh, I was in a different room this time around, okay. but the first three all the same room. Because I would say you could leave your mushrooms there if you uh, if you yeah, in that- room every show, you know. All right, that's going to do it for today. Thank you to our guests. Bilal, remember the name, Muhammad, Ray Longo, Jason, Anik, Ian Parker. If you would like to follow the show on our social media channels, at Anik Florian Pod, all spearheaded by the greatest executive producer in this podcasting space, Cody Merrow. Um, thank you all for listening, for watching. We are back with you next Monday. We will preview the main event between Cyril Ghosn and Alexander Volkov. That's a hell of a heavyweight main event coming up in a week and uh, obviously start to spin things forward to July 10 and Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. With all of that, congratulations to the assassin baby, Tijuana's Brandon Moreno for Ken Flom, John Anik. We will see you next week. Until then, don't text and drive. Yo, fucking.